ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So I just had a birthday. I turned 45. And even though I don't think 45 is old for other people, the number was freaking me out. And for the first time in a really long time, or maybe ever, I was not looking forward to my birthday. It was like I just wanted to push it back and stay 44. And so it really got me thinking, like, what is this? And what was going on was that my brain started to tell me all the things I hadn't yet done. You haven't published a book yet. You haven't had a baby yet. And then it started telling me that I was running out of time, that I wouldn't ever be able to do these things, that I was getting old. And then my brain just started having it out with me. And fortunately, I have a lot of tools that I'm going to share on this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast and that I share with you all the time. But it really got me thinking about this midlife crisis. And how do we shift it from midlife crisis to midlife catalyst? Maybe even better, midlife creator, midlife champion. And that we shift our perspective completely. And that we use this as a time to really rise up as the powerful, wise, bold, brilliant, purposeful women that we were born to be. And that's what this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast is all about. Now, if you're not in midlife and you're in your 20s or 30s, this is still going to be applicable to you because we now know that people are going through what they call a third life crisis, right? So people in their 30s are going, oh, who am I now? What am I all about? Is this really what I want to do? And even a couple of years ago, I sat on a panel in New York City for an event called the Quarter Life Crisis, where at 25, millennials, those of you who are millennials out there, maybe this resonates for you, saying, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to do. Really? What do I want? Is this the career I really wanted? Do I want to be a mom? Do I not? And so how do we shift any of these age crises into absolute catalyst? Absolute catalyst for being a purposeful woman. Being a woman who takes charge, who chooses her own happiness. And that's what today's episode of the Purpose Girl podcast is all about. And of course, you want to stay tuned until the very end where I give you a few purpose power tips that you can use immediately. First, of course, I want to get to our review of the week. This is a five-star review coming from Mama Morrison 79 in the United States. It is called Newbie. And Mama Morrison writes, thank you for what you do. I just started listening. I'm on my second podcast. All the topics have something big or little to take away. Oh, I am so happy that you found the Purpose Girl podcast, Mama Morrison. And I am so glad that you are taking something away from every single episode. That means so, so, so much to me. And I cannot even tell you how much it means to me that you shared your thoughts publicly via a review. And so for all of you out there, if you have not yet left a review, please just take 60 seconds, pause this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave your five-star review. 
The reason this is important is because the more five-star reviews we have, the more women all over the world find us. They see it and they go, oh, this must be a podcast that's worth listening to. And that's how we ended up being number seven in mental health in Mexico just a couple of weeks ago, or how we reached number two in Hong Kong a couple of months ago. As women see your reviews, they go, oh, I have to listen to this. And the reason that that's important is because we want to create a movement. We want to empower every woman on earth to truly live her purpose and be her happiest, choose her happiest life. So thank you, Mama Morrison, for leaving a review. Thank you, all of you, for pausing the Purpose Girl podcast for just 60 seconds, heading on over to Apple Podcasts, leaving your five-star review. I so appreciate you. And of course, you never know, I might read your review on air. All right. So I just turned 45, and I was looking in the mirror, and I'm thinking, I don't think I look 45. But of course, what does 45 look like anymore? Right? When I was a kid and my mom was 45, she had two kids in college. And I look back at her photos, and I always thought my mom is gorgeous. She is totally stunning. Shout out to you, mom. I love you. And I saw her as an older woman with two kids in college. And of course, sometimes I look in the mirror, and I feel like I'm still 12 or 15, because I'll get afraid, like, oh, did I upset that person? Or are they mad at me? Right? So my brain will sometimes think I'm still 12. I don't know if that resonates with any of you. And so age is this crazy thing. It's this crazy thing because we don't necessarily feel this age or we have an image of an age from our mothers or our grandmothers or our great-grandmothers. And we certainly get an image of an age from society and social media. I was recently looking at joining a mentor's coaching program and she has groups. There's an LGBTQ group and there is an African-American group. And there was a group for 45 and older. And then the picture of the woman was a woman in her 70s, which is totally cool. But I thought, well, this is why we're all freaked out maybe to end up being in our 40s. And it's interesting. A couple of years ago, when I turned 40, I started getting all these emails from women who I hadn't talked to since I was a girl or in college. Right? I got an email from one woman who I had gone to summer camp with, and she said, I've been following what you do on Facebook, and I don't know if it's because I'm turning 40, but dot, dot, dot. And she went on to tell me how she has a wonderful husband. She has three healthy, gorgeous kids. She's had a successful career, but it feels like something is missing. Something. She couldn't put her finger on it. And then I got an email from a woman I was in college with, who I was in the sorority with. And it started with the exact same words. I've been following what you do on Facebook, and I don't know if it's because I'm turning 40, but dot, dot, dot. And she went on to tell me how she was getting a divorce and how she never saw herself as someone who would get a divorce. And here she was turning 40 and her life looking completely different than she ever thought it would. And around that time, I got four, five, or six of these emails. I reunited with a friend of mine from high school and we had dinner and she cried to me with almost the same words. I mean, this is a common thing. And I so got it. I so get it. Because there is so much pressure on us as we get into our 40s that we are supposed to be somebody that we don't know who that is. It's just some image of what we thought we would be or what society told us that we would be. Or there is some ideal out there that maybe magazine pictures or television or movies are showing us that we're supposed to look like 
We're not supposed to have any gray hair. We're not supposed to have any wrinkles. We're supposed to look as if we're still 25. And there are certainly so many fears. Are we running out of time? And this is why we have something called the midlife crisis. And psychologists used to not know, is this a real thing? But now it has been proven that this is a real thing that people go through. And there are a number of reasons for it. There are a number of reasons for it. We feel a time deficit. We start to feel bored, restless. We want to do something. We want to know that our lives will have legacy. Our bodies start to change. We shift our relationships. We don't have the same friendships that we used to, and we desperately need it. There's so much going on. So I'm going to dive into each one of these and then really share what we can do so that we shift this from midlife crisis to midlife catalyst. So first, one of the things that we know about the midlife crisis, for men, it is all about prestige. It's have I accumulated enough wealth? It's have I succeeded in the way that a man, quote unquote, is supposed to? And I'm not saying this is every man, and I'm not saying that this is every man should have achieved a certain amount of success, but this is what we know psychologically is happening with the male midlife crisis. And that's why we see in a male midlife crisis, a lot of men maybe go and buy a fancy sports car, right? Like the red, hot, firebird, Corvette. I don't even, I don't even know sports cars, but you know what I mean, <laughs> whichever those are, right? Or you hear the story of the man in his 50s who leaves his wife for a 25-year-old. And again, he might be totally in love with that 25-year-old, so I'm not making a judgment. But it is much more about prestige, about success in the eyes of our society, And the fear that maybe they haven't achieved enough and that they have to be younger. They have to prove something. But midlife crisis for women is different. Midlife crisis for women is about identity. It's who am I now? Because women in their midlife, many women in their midlife have raised children. And their children are either getting older or like my mom, their children had gone off to college And they're starting to go, okay, my kids don't need me as much. I've dedicated my life to them. But who am I without them? Similarly, women in midlife, whether they had children or not, if they chose to have a career outside the home, then they've been in that career for 20 years. And they're going, okay, I've risen up the ladder or I've been doing this career. Is this really what I want? Is this really who I am? And so we have this identity crisis. Who am I now? And as we look to the future, we go, and what is this about for me? Because we give and we give and we give as women, right? We are so good at taking care of everyone else, whether that is taking care of your parents, that is taking care of your own kids, that is taking care of someone else's kids, that is taking care of your neighbors, your community, being the person that your friends come to and taking care of your friends, We give and we give and we give. And so around this time at midlife, we start to go, okay, I've given so much, but but what about me? Who am I? And it is an identity situation. And I was so inspired when I was turning 40 by all these emails I was getting. My heart felt so big for all of these women that what came to me was recreating what 40 and 40s meant and looked like. And actually, on the spur of a moment, I created a program called This is 40, hashtag This is 40, and immediately started talking about it. And before I knew it, 18 women had signed up for this program. I mean, it was like 
there was a hunger for taking control of your life in your 40s. And it was interesting because a couple of the women in the program were in their 30s and there was a woman in her 50s in the program. And I realized this is not just a 40s thing, right? This is more of a midlife thing. And it became my Empowered program. But I've been feeling called lately to resurrect that program and even take more of the recent learnings that I've had about how to really like be bold and thrive in your life for women in their 40s. Because we are not dead. One of the things that's happening is that we are living longer. And so we have more time. We still have, God willing, I'm 45. God willing, I've got 40, 50 years that I can still make an impact, that I can still have fun, that I can still feel alive, that I can still accomplish many different things. I can switch careers three more times. So we have so much time. But one of the things that we know is that women are twice as likely to be depressed as men. And within that, women at midlife, between 45 and 60, have the highest rate of depression, the highest rate of depression. And when we talk about what's going on at midlife, we can start to see why. So one of the things that's happening for women at midlife is a time deficit, right? When we're young, we think we have all the time in the world. And we think, oh, I have so much time to accomplish so many goals. In fact, purpose researcher Kendall Bronk and her associates found that in your early 20s, searching for purpose is fun. It's interesting. But then at a certain point, she had identified 23. I don't know. I see it more maybe around 26, 27 with my clients. Then people start going, oh, my God, but this isn't fun. What is my purpose if I don't know it already? And so when we're younger, we have a ton of hope. We think we have so much time, right? Or my clients who I've got two clients who have just turned 30 and they're starting to think is is my time running out to have children? Should I be married already? What do I do? And so at midlife, we feel this time deficit. We start to maybe lack hope. So we get this sense of hopelessness. And here's what we know. Right? Being hopeless, I've been hopeless in my life. After my second miscarriage, I felt totally hopeless. And when you are hopeless, you're helpless, right? It means that there's nothing that you can do. Because when you have the tiniest spark of hope, the tiniest spark of hope that something can change, that something can be different, then what happens is that your brain starts to think of strategies to make that thing happen. It's actually researched by the late Charles Snyder. He created something called hope theory. And what we know is that when you have a tiny spark of hope and you have a clear goal, your brain will literally start creating motivation an agency to get that goal done, and it will start thinking of pathways or strategies to achieve your goal, to get what you want. And so the opportunity here, feeling any sort of time deficit, is to really shift and reignite hope. So I want us to take a look at this time deficit for a moment, because that my brain was doing this big time around turning 45. My brain was saying, we're running out of time. You haven't written a book yet. You haven't done this yet. You haven't done that. And we're running out of time. A friend of mine sent me an email a few months ago saying she was looking for a new job and was fearing, oh, companies won't hire me in my 40s, right? I'm getting too old. There's a time deficit. And I've heard stories and there, there are real stories out there. I don't want to invalidate anybody's very real experience. And we have to remember that the science of happiness, positive psychology, I believe, comes down to two words. And those two words are I choose. 
I choose. It's why I have the I Choose necklace. I wear it every day, right? I have them available for you at PurposeGirl.com because it's a constant reminder that we get to choose. And so the question is, do we look and we say, oh my God, I'm running out of time? Or do we reframe it and say, there's still so much time to do what I want to do? Is it true that in the 45 years I've been alive, I haven't yet published a book? That is true. Does it break my heart sometimes? A hundred percent. Do I sometimes get down on myself that I could have written three books by now because I have so many ideas? Yep, it does. And I can have self-compassion, right? The process of self-compassion to forgive myself, to recognize all I have done instead. I launched the podcast, right? That was a huge accomplishment. And oh my goddess, I haven't even told you guys yet. We just reached 100,000 downloads. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for listening. Okay, I know it's off topic, but right? So like that means that I'm impacting people. Is it a book? No, but it's this other way. And so we can reframe and actually shift. And one of the things I would love for all of you to do with, this is a purpose power tip, is to reframe your time deficit. One, first writing a list of everything you have done, right? What are the things that you have accomplished that you're super, super proud of? And even if you're like, oh, but that's not a big deal. I bet what is not a big deal to you is a big deal to somebody else. This just happened with a client of mine. She was sharing how she had done this presentation in a meeting. And I said, oh my gosh, that's like incredible. She had all this knowledge on a topic that was totally foreign to me. And she's like, no, it's no big deal. Like, this is just like what I do. And I was like, no, that's amazing because I don't know anything on that topic. I don't know one thing. If I needed to answer a question, if there was a gun to my head and I needed to answer a question, I would need Google, right? To be able to find the answer. So that's incredible that you know so much. And if you aren't aware of your own accomplishments, then, hey, check it out with your friends. Ask them, you know, what have you seen me do that you think I should be really proud of? Like, let's be vulnerable here. Let's actually go out because we can reframe this and we can be so proud of everything that we have done. That's number one. Number two is then to say, okay, well, if I'm feeling this time deficit, then let me use this as the opportunity to say, I choose. I choose one year from now to not feel this again. I choose one year from now to take action on one of these goals that I feel regretful for not yet having done, or I feel afraid that I won't yet have done. This is perfect because what we can do is we can shift Right? Any quote unquote dark emotion, first of all, every emotion has information for us. There is no emotion that's good or bad. So if you are feeling some anxiety, that is just information that you're afraid of something. And maybe what you're afraid of is that you will die with a book in your heart or you will die without ever having started that kindergarten. Okay, great. Then let's use that fear as information that this is a deep desire of yours. And let's use this time deficit fear and shift it on its head and say, I'm not letting you get me down. I'm going to use you as information. Our darkness brings us to light. That that darkness of time deficit fear can actually say, oh, wait, bingo, the light bulb goes off. This is super important to me. And so I'm going to focus on this in the coming year. And let's say it's a book for me. Does it have to be published a year from now? No. But a way for me to make sure that I don't feel this way a year from now, a way for me to have a midlife catalyst is to say that one year from now, 
I will have taken steps forward. Even better yet, if I make myself accountable for having three chapters forward or having a book outline that I send to an agent or having it all done. I mean, I can choose the goal, but we can actually allow this to be our wake-up call. It's our desire call. So if you're feeling time deficit about anything, let that be your reminder that this is your desire calling you. Ringing, hello, ring, 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 hello. Choose me. Your desire is saying, choose me and choose me now. And your desire is saying, let's get excited about it. Because here's what we know, ladies. The more you get excited about your desires, the more they are going to come true. Right? So let me just recapture this again. If you're feeling time deficit, one, we want to have self-compassion. There's so much going on in the world, right? You've been taking care of other people. You've been achieving other goals. There is a lot of chaos and stress in this world. So give yourself a break for what you haven't done. And then make a list of what you have done. Feel proud. Brag about it. Come on over to our Facebook group, the Purpose Girls Facebook group, and brag about it. I want to hear your accomplishments. I want to celebrate you. I freaking love celebrating women. So be proud of it. Look at your list every day. And then three, let this be your desire call. That's how we shift from any sort of midlife or third life crisis into the catalyst. This is your desire calling you, saying yes, say yes to me. Yes, yes to me. Two, one of the things we know about the midlife crisis is that we start to feel bored or restless, right? Like we lack that identity that I was mentioning earlier. And we start to question like, is this all there is? Isn't there more? And this was some of what I heard from the women who were in my This Is 40 program. This is some of what I heard from the women who were emailing me and who still email me. Like, there has to be more than this. And what I want to offer to you is if you are feeling that there has to be more than this, then the chances are that there is something in you that is wanting to come out. Now, again, we want to have 100% gratitude for everything that you have. I think sometimes people think that they have to choose gratitude for what I have or vision for the future. No, good news, ladies. You do not have to choose. It is a both and. The feminine, so the masculine is an either or. The feminine is a both and. So the key is to both be so grateful for everything you have. So grateful, so grateful, so grateful, so grateful because everything that you have is giving you life, is giving you opportunity and envision the future and get excited about the future and take steps and figure out what is it that is really lacking? What is it that you desire? What is it that you want? What would help you feel a bit more alive? It is both and. So you can be so super grateful. Actually, coming back from Burning Man, and I shared this on the Purpose Girl podcast, coming back from Burning Man, I realized that, you know, There's been a way of living an image, like a quote unquote Pleasantville kind of perfect image, even where I live, that I've been striving for other people to think that I was perfect. And then I get kind of bored in that image. And so rather than just like being angry at myself for it, or rather than just dissing it, I'm pouring gratitude on it. Because having this image, some of the things that I get bored with, has been super helpful to me in my life. It's allowed me to get really good grades in school. It allowed me to do really well in my corporate career. It's allowed me to have a beautiful home right now. Whether I want to stay here or not has nothing to do with it. So much gratitude for what I have. And 
What is sparking inside of me? What is sparking inside of you that you are desiring? So similar to the time deficit, the question here is, what is your own identity? So often what I find is that when we're feeling bored or restless with our life, it's because we're in a routine. We're in a mundane routine. Now, of course, there is some mundanity of modern day life, right? You got to get the kids to school or you got to get to work on time. You got to, you know, get the cereal. You got to go grocery shopping. There are some experiences like that. And we can choose to, one, make those experiences a little bit more juicy, a little bit more exciting, a little bit more meaningful and powerful. As an example, one of my positive psychology students was sharing how when she makes dinner, it's not just like, oh, I have to make dinner. She shifts it from I have to to I get to. And then while she's preparing her meal, she thinks about her loved ones, everyone who's going to eat the meal and putting love into it and really wanting like each one of them to savor the meal and to enjoy it and to, right? And it might sound hokey, it might sound corny, but it is a way for her to actually shift from something mundane into something meaningful. Similarly, Josh and I dance while we cook all the time, right? So rather than it being, again, this mundane, boring, got to get dinner on the table, it's like we turn it into something fun. And what's amazing is our dog, Charlie, he loves to dance with us. And if we dance without him, he's like barking and coming up. Like, so we make it fun. Now, I'm not saying that you have a million hours to make everything fun, but there's a question. Can you turn anything you're doing into something a little bit more sparkly, something a little bit more fun, and certainly something a little bit more meaningful? With that, if you're feeling bored, right, what's the opposite of bored for you? Is it fun? Is it engaging? Is it an adventure? Then allow yourself that. Say yes to it. And allow yourself to say, what would be fun for me? And allow yourself to do it. Allow yourself to say, what would be a little adventurous, a little bit pushing my edge, a little bit at the edge of my comfort zone, or even just slightly outside of it. I'm not telling you to like do something drastic, but maybe you've been wanting to take a dance class and you haven't been allowing yourself. Allow yourself. Maybe you've been wanting to gather a group of girlfriends and start a book club. You thought, oh, it's just more time. But really the idea has sat with you. Allow yourself, do it. Maybe you've been thinking, I'd really love to take a trip by myself. Allow yourself. Another one of my positive psychology students, just she was coming up on her birthday and she had all these plans and she canceled them. And she went into the woods by herself for a weekend, for two days and one night. Because she just needed to get away. Now she has two kids. She has a full-time job. It's not that she has time to just, right? But it was like she just needed something for her. And for her, I think it was actually allowing an experience of boredom because she's so busy in her everyday life, right? What's amazing is we can be busy and bored at the same time. I'm not saying she was, but this is something that we know can happen. Something else with boredom. So one is for you to really be grateful for all you have and start to visualize and celebrate the future. And then with that, check in, what is the opposite of boredom for you? Is it fun? Is it adventure? What would be something that would just spark your soul? Which just spark your soul because you hear someone else talk about it. And you go, oh, that sounds so great, but I could never because dot, dot, dot. I'll give you a little example. Josh and I go to synagogue many Friday nights. So if we're in town, we typically go and it's a musical service and I freaking 
love it. And I found myself always just swaying in my seat. And then one day I got up and I started dancing. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start crying. I don't know why. I got up and I started dancing. And I was the only one. It was a little freaky, right? So I was afraid. There was a part of my fear brain that was telling me, other people are looking at you. It's weird. So I always close my eyes so that I actually can't see. Are people judging me? Are they looking at me? And I'm just in my body and enjoying the music. And there is that part of me that had wanted to get up and dance, but was saying, no, you can't. No one else does it. You're going to look weird. And then once I just decided I'm going to do it, right, there still might be people who think I'm weird. In fact, last week there was a family of five boys and I opened my eyes for one second and I could see two of the boys were shaking their arms and like, you know, mimicking me. And that little girl inside was like, ah, see, we shouldn't. And no, right. And I closed my eyes again and I just kept going because the other truth of it is every week, at least one, if not more people come up to me and they say, I love your dancing. There's a woman who goes every week and she says to me almost every week, I love your dancing. I wish I had the courage to do it. And so I'm always like, dance with me. And you know what I'm going to do next week? I'm going to go up to her and I'm just going to have stand next to her and have her get up and we're going to dance together. That's what I'm going to do. Because we can create the adventure, the excitement, the energy that we want if we allow ourselves. So at this point in your life, you have so much experience. You have so much wisdom. And your interests may be different. What inspires you might be different than when you were younger. And you can set whatever legacy you want. If you've been feeling time deficit or you've been feeling bored, how brilliant then to let this be a desire call and for you now to look out. I do this often with clients. Look out at your 80th birthday. And what is it that you want people to say about you? What is it that you want to be able to say about your own life? How do you want to say that you lived? What mark do you want to make? Because identity, this is the major thing for women at midlife, is the identity. And so you now get to recreate your identity. But it's not a recreation of just like picking it out of the sky. It is a deep knowing of who you are. This is where our purpose comes from. Purpose is actively impacting the world in your own unique way. And your uniqueness is knowing your strengths. What are your core character strengths? Are you particularly kind and generous? And that that is part of your mark and legacy that you're going to leave in the world. Are you particularly creative? And that's part of your mark. It is your skills. You've, you've honed skills over time. Could be skills in analyzing numbers. Could be skills in drawing. Could be skills in cooking. Could be skills in managing other people, coaching other people. Those are beautiful skills that are needed in the world. Passions. Knowing what really like gets your goat, what gets you angry, what it is that you want to fight for, or knowing what has tugged at your heart your whole life. I had a guest, Lisa Buxbaum, on whose child was ill, and then she started a whole nonprofit bringing positivity and light to children in hospitals everywhere. So this is our opportunity. We couldn't have done this when, when you were 18. You didn't have that wisdom. You didn't have that life experience. You didn't know the need that was in the world. You didn't know what you were going to be passionate about because your heart hadn't broken yet. So this is an opportunity, right? And then the fourth piece, of course, is your experience and your wisdom. And so now is the time to identify your purpose. That's how you go from midlife crisis to midlife catalyst, midlife champion. That is one of, if not the most important thing of any of these with midlife is for you to get to say, I'm going to create my own legacy. I'm going to be the creator of my own life. I'm not victim to an age. I'm not victim. 
No, I'm the creator. And I'm going to look my age in the eye and say, heck yeah, I'm 55. Because I'm 55, I now could coach women on how to go through divorce. Because I'm 55, my art is now even more spectacular because of all the skills I've gained. Because I'm 55, I now could open up that nursery school because I have time. So it is a different way of thinking about it. And that is how we set the legacy. Because identity, we all want to leave with a legacy, right? And what ends up happening with identity is if your identity has been around your kids and then they go on and have their own lives, we feel lost, of course. Or if you've had the same job and you're like, I don't know if this is it, right? So now is the time to create your own legacy. This is your desire call. This is your purpose call. Purpose is calling you now. Number three with women and midlife, our bodies change. And this is just a fact of life. I was actually at the hair salon recently and this beautiful, incredibly gorgeous, sassy woman was next to me getting a gorgeous haircut and color. And we started talking about what I do in the podcast and she was sharing how life feels different, right? As she was getting to be 60 and she was sharing that her body is completely different than it used to be. And I wanted to wrap my arms around her. And then, of course, I asked her, can I? And then we had like the most beautiful hug because I just kept seeing what a gorgeous woman she is. Now, I don't know what her body looked like when she was 30 or even 40. What I do know is that our bodies change and it is challenging. It is challenging physically and it is challenging emotionally. Right? Because as we get older, naturally, our breasts start to sag. If you've had children then your bellies may be different. Your hips may be different. If you haven't had children, right, we start to, our bodies start to change. We might start developing a belly and you maybe never had one. Or you might start to notice that you're getting, you know, stretch marks and more cellulite and you never had it. So our bodies start to change physically on the outside. And that can be really hard for us women. Because frankly, there is a war against women's bodies. I hear my mentor, Regina Thomas-Hour, talk about, you know, a war on our own bodies. Well, we have a war on our own bodies because it seems like the world is at war with our bodies. All these mixed messages about the world wanting us to be so hot and so beautiful and then wanting us to change if we're, quote unquote, not according to their definition. Right. I couldn't help it while I was getting my hair cut to notice that I have more gray than I did the last time I was there. And start to question, should I diet? Should I not diet? Now, I have no judgment about dying it, and I probably will. And I want to be a woman who just really loves myself and sees my own beauty at every age. And my hairdresser said to me, oh, my God, no, right now your grays look like light. And I was like, ooh, I love that. What a beautiful reframe. My grays look like light. She said they sparkle and they shine. And it's true. And so I can really sit in that. I also can sit in, what if I just find them beautiful? What if I see each gray hair as a mark of the wisdom, as a mark of the years, right? That my gray hairs have come because I have been through challenges and I have overcome them with strength and with courage and with grace. What if they become like a badge of freaking honor? Haven't you ever seen a woman who is in her 60s or 70s or 80s and she's all white hair, all gray hair? She's got tons of wrinkles from laughing and from crying and from living. And she is so gorgeous. She seems so fun. She seems so vibrant. 
I know I've seen those women and I fixate on them. I'm mesmerized by these women. And I think, yes, I desire that. You can see these women. It's not like they're, you know, a size zero. It's not like they fit into whatever model we've been told we're supposed to be. Rather, what they're fitting into is feeling beautiful in their own skin. And that's our opportunity. So from the bodies changing, we have the physical aspect on the outside, right? And of course, the pain that comes from people telling us we shouldn't have wrinkles, we need Botox, we shouldn't have, you know, different color hair, all this kind of stuff. And of course, the inside physical changes as you start to go through perimenopause and then menopause. And I'm in perimenopause and it's scary. My night sweats are out of control and have been for about 10 years. And you know what? My period started getting regular about a year ago. And as a woman who still wants to have a child, that's scary. And it's doing something emotionally for me. It's also making me mourn my youth. Right? I remember when I got my period. I was excited about it. I felt like I was becoming a woman. And I understood that my period was the mark of being able to be a mother. And so when we stop getting our period, whether you might be so excited, like, yes, no more tampons, no more pads, whatever it might be for you. Inside, your body also knows there is an emotional closure that is happening to a period of time in your life. And so we can mourn that and we can know that. Not to mention the actual physical challenges that happen as you go through perimenopause and then menopause. And I haven't been through it. I just know experiences of my clients or my friends. And my heart is with you, ladies. Because it it sounds like it can be a lot on the body and on the brain and on the emotions. And so the question is, what do we do with all of this? Well, in the divine feminine, we know that... For years, women were honored as they got older. Women were considered wise women as they went into menopause. They would be the sages or the oracles or the medicine women that others would go to for advice, for counsel, for support, for matchmaking. These were the matriarchs. I don't know what it was like to be them. They probably had the same emotions of going through menopause, the same physical challenges. And because society honored the wise woman, then they could stand in their true selves. They could celebrate their bodies. They could celebrate their gifts and their wisdom. So the opportunity here is to step into being that wise woman Find those magazine pictures of the women with the laugh lines and the white hair and the sparkle of their eye and know that she is within you, that that confidence is possible for you. And the way to it, the way to it is to decide to choose, shift from midlife crisis to midlife catalyst and beyond midlife creator that you are going to create such a deep knowing of your own beauty. And here's how we do. We look in the mirror and we look into our own eyes and those are the same eyes that you have had since you were a little girl. And you acknowledge with love and with thanks and with honor and admiration every single day 
every single thing that that those eyes have seen. You acknowledge all that she has seen, all that she has witnessed. And you acknowledge how she is still, how they are still bright, how you are still bright and you are still shining. And you thank yourself for all of that. And you love on your eyes first. Then move to your cheeks, to your jaw, to your chin, to your lips. And find the beauty in all of it. Find the beauty in your cheeks that have laughed, that have maybe giggled with children, that have maybe kissed lovers. Find the beauty, find the wisdom. What do they want to tell you about the truth of love? Then move to your neck. Yeah, you might have some wrinkles on your neck. Yep, me too. And think about how that neck has held you up for years. Take stock. What have your neck and your shoulders and your heart, what have you endured? In fact, really look at your heart. Maybe place both hands on your heart. Notice all of the cracks, the breaks in your heart, because all of our hearts are broken by midlife. And honor each crack. You can even make a journal entry with all this, by the way. What is each crack, each break in your heart? What has it taught you? What has it given you? What wisdom has it given you that you would want to share with a younger person? One of my soul sisters and coaching clients joined my Empowered program at 69. She said, what am I doing here? Like, why am I doing this now? And it turns out that one of her cracks in her heart had been that she had been in an abusive marriage younger. And she had done a lot of healing around it. But what she hadn't done was really shared the story. And it turned out that another woman in the group who was in her early 30s was being abused by her husband. And so at 69, she shared this crack in her heart and the wisdom from it. And it healed the other woman. It healed the younger 30-year-old woman. And the younger 30-year-old woman went ahead and left her husband. So if that's not freaking powerful, if that's not standing as the wise woman, if that's not honoring and loving you, I don't know what is. And the more you do that, and you do that with every body part, you do it with your belly and you do it with your butt, you do it with your cellulite. And even if it seems mechanical at first, even if it seems like you're faking it, great. Fake it until you become it. This is something that Amy Cuddy said at the end of her TED Talk, and I love that. Fake it until you become it. You start pouring the love on. And the more you do it, the more you pour the love on, the more confident you're going to start to feel. The more you look in the mirror and you wink at yourself and you say, hey, gorgeous, the more beautiful, sexy, confident you will start to feel. I have a dear friend in her 50s who is constantly getting date requests online from both younger and older men. And her own age, right? 28, check. 58, check. Because she's confident. Because she loves her body. And by loves her body, what I mean is she takes good care of her body. It is so easy as we get older and our weight starts to shift and we start to get bigger bellies or bigger butts or whatever, just just say, forget it. It doesn't matter. I'll just eat the donuts. Or to eat in depression. I totally sometimes do that. I'm totally outing myself right now. I totally sometimes do that. Well, I were just eat my depression raise your hand to anyone else, right? And so it's easy to just say, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm getting older anyway. It actually matters more because the healthier you eat, the more you will actually see skin that you love. The more you will see brightness in your eyes that sparkle. 
the more you will feel really good in your body. The more you move your body, you take daily walks or you do dance or yoga or running or CrossFit or whatever your thing is, right? Because you can do all of that into your 90s. There was this incredible woman, Olga Kotelko, who was a Canadian track and field athlete. She had over 30 world records. She won over 750 gold medals in her age category, which, by the way, was ages 90 to 95. She was considered one of the world's greatest athletes, such that McGill University studied her to say, how are you still running? How are you still, you know, throwing shot put? How are you still running hurdles in your 90s? It's incredible, right? Absolutely incredible. So in her 90s, she was feeling healthy. She was feel, feeling vibrant. We have this idea that because we're getting older, we're over the hill and now we can't do as much. Absolutely not true. Are there maybe things we need to be more careful about? Sure. But your body will actually respond to how you care for it. And we know from research, incredible work by John Rady, we know that we're not supposed to just kind of reach a peak at 40 and then it's down the hill. No, instead, we're supposed to like reach our peak and then plateau for a while and keep our bodies healthy and keep our bodies on, on good foods and keep our bodies active. And then you will actually have a, a quicker death. And I'm not saying that something else won't happen. Of course it might. And our bodies can be vibrant and alive at any age, at every age. My parents are 75 and they walk between four and eight miles every single day. I'm so freaking proud of them and so grateful because that's how we actually care for our bodies. That's how we show ourselves love. That's how we show ourselves love. I'm not saying it's 100% easy, but we can really shift it and love our bodies and decide that you are more attractive now than you were at 35. I think I'm more attractive now than I was at 25 or 35. I think I'm actually sexier. And I hope to continue to feel that. And when I don't, I want you to remind me. I want you to email me or to call me and remind me. So this is how we shift from midlife crisis to midlife catalyst. And beyond that, midlife champion and creator of our own life. In the divine feminine, with these different archetypes of the feminine, the wise woman is the woman that others go to for advice. Now, I understand in our culture, we... Do not do that as we should anymore. We have a culture that is harsh, is ageist. And rather than honoring our elders, rather than seeking their advice and wisdom because they've lived it, because you've lived it, often people are cruel to the elderly. Often we treat the elderly like they don't know. And then maybe technology makes you feel like you don't know, that you're old because you don't know how to do Instagram. Listen, I'm 45. I don't know how to do Instagram either. Okay, someone out there, please email me, teach me. <laughs> the thing is that Instagram or technology has nothing to do with it. The wisdom I want to know from you is the wisdom that I mentioned about my client. I want to know what your life has taught you. I want to know what your heartbreaks have shown you that you could show me to help me maybe avoid the same pitfalls or to help me get through a similar situation. I want to know I was speaking to a group of women at a synagogue and a woman in her 70s said, well, this purpose stuff is all great, but like, I don't have a purpose. And, you know, I'm 70. It's not for me. And I shared exactly what I'm sharing with you, with, with her and with the whole room. I started crying and then she hugged me. And I asked the whole room to look at her table of women in their 70s and honor them. 
and for us to specifically seek out mentors who do have wisdom, who have been through life and can teach us. So no matter what age you are, I want you to say to yourself right now, I am the wise woman. I am the wise woman because you might be 25 and you've been through rape and you have survived and you are thriving because you are getting up every day to go to work. And so there is something in that survival that I want to learn from you. It does not matter your age. What matters is the wisdom that your heart has shown you because you have made it through. And so Purpose Girls, every moment of your life has been for purpose. Every triumph shows you what brings you joy, shows you what's meaningful. And every challenge, every trauma has given you strength, has given you courage, has given you wisdom that I want to know. So email me. Tell me what your heartbreaks have given you. Tell me what your wisdom is. Teach me. Let's teach each other. This is the community that we can create. This is why I have the Purpose Girls Facebook group. I'm longing for all of you to go onto the Purpose Girls Facebook group and to share your wisdom, to share your brags, to share your celebrations, to share your heartbreak, to share that you're going through a painful divorce and you need other women's wisdom. That's what I long for in that group. Right now, it's been my team and I, we, we post just about every day motivation or asking you to celebrate. And I invite all of you to come on there and share away. Let's create community where we share our wisdom with one another and we look to other women for their wisdom. Speaking of which, I want to get to one last point, and there are many about midlife, but one last point for today about midlife. One of the things that we know about women at midlife is that they aren't spending as much time with friends as they did, right? Often it's a, we're a sandwich generation. You've got aging parents and you maybe have, you know, younger kids or kids in high school or college that you need to take care of. And so there's so much demand on your time and your attention while you're also working full time or working part time or starting something. There is so much demand on our time. We are giving and we're giving. And so we don't spend as much time with our friends as we used to. And I have to say guilty as charged over here. And I have noticed a significant impact on my happiness from not spending the kind of time that I used to with friends. A significant impact. When I was younger and I was working for someone else, my social life was really the most important thing to me, right? Like I would have my friends over for dinner all the time. We would go out on the weekends. Like we really had a network. And I was still keeping in touch with all my college friends. And we were just, everything is different. I still keep in touch with my college friends and I'm so grateful for them. We actually still do an annual reunion every single year. I brag that we make that a priority every single year. I love you, ladies, if you're listening to this. And it's not easy, right? And between the five of us, I think that there are 13 kids and all sorts of different jobs and all sorts of different life situations. But we have to make our friends a priority. And you know me, I might start crying while I talk about this because I have noticed also since moving to Pennsylvania. Fortunately, I have a couple of very good friends here, but my circle is not the same as it was when I lived in Cleveland, when I lived in Detroit. I definitely had more friends then. I also didn't own a business then. And so owning a business, right? It's like, so no matter what is taking up your time, we spend less time with friends and we know that this is very dangerous. Loneliness is a leading cause of depression and even suicide. Loneliness is a leading cause of anxiety we're actually social animals. We were meant to engage and connect. It's wired in us. We need it. And especially as women, 
We know from looking at the female brain in utero that women start to develop the emotional capacity in utero that's different than a boy's brain. And that emotional ability is the desire for connection. And this is why we see like girls constantly want to connect, 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 go to the bathroom together, right? It's part of our wiring. So there is a biological component in our brain. There's also an ancient ancestral component in our cells, right? We are the product of all the generations before us. And for generations and generations, women gathered for thousands of years, hundreds of years. Think about it. Men went off to war, right? Or men were out hunting for food. The women were in the village together. The women were each other's companions. The women were each other's helpers. The women birthed each other's children. The women fed each other and cooked together and laughed together and held each other. This is how we're actually meant to live. When there is a a behavior, an ancestral behavior like that, it ends up in our cells and in our energy fields, but it's literally in our cells. And so we actually crave it and need it. And yet we don't have time for it. And this is why we must, 100% must make time for sisterhood, for community. And I know that can be really freaky because a lot of us, myself included, have had really bad experiences with other women, right? I might even be the cause of some other girls or women's bad feelings about women because when I was younger, I did some things that were not nice to other girls. I dumped them for popularity. And to any of you out there, if I hurt you, I'm so sorry. I never meant to or intended to, or if there's something recently I've done, please know I never meant to or intended to. I truly want to be love in sisters with every single woman. It's why I create sisterhoods. I create the sisterhoods that I needed, right? I just said this recently to Josh, like I so badly craved belonging when I was in high school that I think now I create the sisterhood, the Purpose Girls sisterhood the retreats that I, I go on, the goddess girls retreats and the sisterhoods that come from that, the empowered program, the this is 40 program. These are all sisters where these women five years later are still connected. They're still talking. They're still supporting each other. They were strangers and they joined my sisterhood and they're still connected and still best friends years later. Why? Because when we have women who love us unconditionally, who see us, who hold us, and who celebrate us, right? Who can both hold us and when we cry and can celebrate us when we flourish and who believe in us to be bigger than we think we can be, we thrive. And there's actually research behind this. A 2012 British study found that having a smaller friendship network at 45 was associated with poor psychological well-being. Not the only factor, but that is a factor, particularly for women. There was a study of women with breast cancer who found that those women who had close friends actually lived longer, were healthier. Sisterhood is so important. And so wherever you are, please find a sisterhood. It can be an in-person sisterhood. Maybe you find a local women's group. If you don't, create one. Coming up soon is Women's Global Happiness Day, and you can create a Women's Global Happiness Day event, which is a free service that I offer. I create a kind of a container. I create a program that you can do in October, any any October. You actually could do it at any time. And you sign up at Women's Global Happiness Day to lead an event. You invite three friends over, five friends over, 15 friends over. I will provide you the training and the curriculum and host a women's circle for women to connect on a real and deep level, not just about you know, complaining about their husbands or their kids, 
but on a real and deep level, creating a safe container for women to laugh, for women to feel their strengths, for women to claim their joy. The activities are amazing. So that's one opportunity for you. Or just start a book club and make it not just about the book. Make it about something deep and meaningful and connected and loving and fun. Or join one of my online programs, one of my online sisterhoods. Join This Is 40 when I come out with it. If you're interested in that, email me. I want to know what the interest is so I know if I should run it. If I should have a This Is 40 sisterhood for women 40 plus. Or if you're interested in my Empower program for women at any age. A sisterhood. Or you want to go on a retreat. The women who come on my retreats, they become friends for life. Or you don't have to do it with me. Find another coach. Do theirs. I don't care. You must have a sisterhood. And I need one too. I've actually been going through a lot recently, and I would not be here. I literally wouldn't be here talking to you if it wasn't for my sisters. So for all of you out there, my dear sisters who have held me through my pain, my dear sisters who have been there and holding me, my dear sisters who are reminding me of who I am and what I'm capable of, my dear sisters who celebrated the you-know-what out of me when I had my birthday, my sisters who love me unconditionally, I say thank you to you. You are my lifesavers. You truly are my lifesavers. So, my loves, there is more, and I could do probably 10 more episodes on this. The most important thing that I want you to take away is that midlife does not have to be a crisis. You can take this experience of midlife and use it as a catalyst, a catalyst for this to be your very best, most empowered, most alive, most bold, most sassy, most sexy, most purposeful time in life. Because now is actually the time, right? Sometimes we say, oh, why didn't I do that when I was 25? Because you didn't have the wisdom when you were 25. You didn't have the experience. Now you do. And I want to hear it. We want to hear it. We want you. I want you. So in recap, as purpose power tips, number one, allow this to be a catalyst where you reignite hope. What are you hoping for? Reframe time deficit into what are you hoping for and set something one year from now and let that create strategies and motivation to achieve it. Let this be your desire call. That's purpose power tip number one. Purpose power tip number two. Write down the opposite of boredom for you. Is it fun? Is it adventure? And then start exploring what would fun and adventure be for me or whatever it is for you. And allow yourself to really go for it, to really like play and practice and go all out. Also with that is have your gratitudes for what is and write in big letters in your journal, both and and set out for a vision and celebration for the future. Number three, purpose power tip for your body is for you to look at every laugh line and try to remember everything that's ever made you laugh, for you to look at that belly and appreciate that it's carried you for years and look into your eyes, right? Go through every body part and for you to find that love for yourself, that sassiness and sexiness at every age. Because I'm telling you, I see women of all ages and stages of life, all body types, attracting anything and everything that they want because they're just having so much fun in life because they're just feeling good about themselves and in their own skin. Purpose power tip number four, the wise woman. 
I want you to really think about the moments of your life and what wisdom have you gotten. And number five, join a sisterhood. Make sure that you have women around you. And number six, now is your time for you to get clear on what is your identity. What identity do you want to leave this earth with? Because you do have time. God willing, you've got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. God willing, you've got tomorrow. And you can do with it whatever you desire. So let this be a catalyst for purpose. And if you don't know your purpose, email me. Right? That is what I do. Purpose Girl Coaching. For you to identify your purpose. And I actually am working on a super cool new purpose coaching program that condenses all my purpose work into a really easy to use system for everyone. So please email me, email me and let me know that that is of interest to you. If you don't know your purpose, now is your time. So there is so much here. I know. And you could probably work on this forever. And I want to thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. It has been my honor and my pleasure to do midlife with you or to do midlife with your mom or with your grandma or with your sister or whoever. Because of course, that's the most important thing you can do. You can share this podcast with every woman you know who is going through a third life crisis, a midlife crisis. That's the most important thing that any of us can do because that's how we change the world one woman at a time. And if you haven't yet joined the Facebook group, go on over there. Invite your friends to join. Purpose Girls, you just search for it. It's one word. You search for it in Facebook. And then I want to hear your wisdom. I want to hear what you're going through. I want to hear you celebrate. I want to celebrate you. Of course, if you haven't found me on Instagram, it's at Karen Rockind. And on Facebook, it's at Coach Karen Rockind. And I love hearing from you. So as always, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.